This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey guys, Robbie here coming up today on the Offscript podcast. Another very special guest, Gary Vaynerchuk, a.k.a. Gary V, joined us in our humble abode early this morning. Not many people will get us up and out of bed at 7am, but that's exactly what Gary was able to do because we had a very good reason, a very compelling reason for speaking to him. He's created two successful companies. He's a best-selling author. He can command six-figure fees for speaking engagements, and he has 1.1 million Twitter followers and a bunch more for subscribers on YouTube as well. But he's largely unknown to the American television viewing public. Rather, he is internet famous. That fame happened by design and by years of meticulous planning, and it has drawn vocal critics for a style that is loud, that's bombastic, and rather blatantly self-promotional as well. A common line of criticism against Vaynerchuk is that he is a snake oil salesman, one of a growing number of internet celebrity marketeers who make their money telling eager beaver entrepreneurs that they too can get rich and famous by self-marketing on social media. So we wanted to drill down and really find out what really makes Gary Vaynerchuk tick and what he really believes about social media, what he believes about society in general and how to succeed in business. What we discovered was not a bombastic and obnoxious snake oil salesman, I shall say, but a very thoughtful and a very thought-provoking individual who made some extreme good points, not only about social media, but about the way that we conduct ourselves in the workplace as well. So I hope you guys enjoy this off script in conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk, a.k.a. of course, Gary V. The Big Interview with Offscript. We are absolutely delighted to be joined by a man who will be making an appearance at the Emirates Literature Festival, a uh, serial entrepreneur, a digital media personality, an author. Uh, and done it all. Uh, uh, he's done it all. Uh, and it's absolutely a pleasure to be joined by Gary Vinerchuk, who's just, I think, pretty much got off a flight to be with us here this morning. Gary, thanks for joining us. I'm so, so happy to be here. Happy to be in Dubai. Thanks for having me. Let's kick off, Gary. So many questions for you. A lot of our listeners have a lot of questions for you as well. And I want to start, I want to get straight into the teeth of this. Okay. The biggest misconception of you out there, what is it? Um, I think my aggressive communication style, my New Jersey Americana (laughs) cursing on the internet, I think that there's probably a lot of people that don't realize that the foundation of my business success in the last 25 years is predicated on humility, patience, kindness, all of which is impossible to see through in a 30-second TikTok video or a one-minute Instagram video, or to be frank, even my long-form content, interview like this, long-form YouTube interviews, there's a different version of me when the light is on like it is right now, where I go into almost, I would call it a mix between wrestling promo video, stand-up comedy, things that were really cool to me as a child. I think that that is who I am as Gary V, the communicator. Gary Vaynerchuk, the executive, the human being, I think has a different um, tone, a different uh, reality. And so, you know, that misconception never bothers me because I'm too empathetic uh, of why people have that. And I think in general, I also am very passionate of knowing that in the world of the internet, there's a million pieces of content that are being thrown at people a day. And for me, I think of my internet content as my amuse bouche, right? Let me, let me get you to be curious, and then maybe I'll get you down a path of the very, very long form content all the way to writing a book 
if I can get you through that journey, I think along the way the misconceptions get thrown to the wayside and I've captured the attention to be able to communicate the things that I want to communicate. Could, could Gary Vaynerchuk, the human being, have been successful, like, like your alter ego, if you like, on, in, in the digital space, if you had not adopted that, as you put it, that sort of WWE-type persona? I, I think so. There's many people. You know, that WWE persona, that's authentically me. When the light goes on, I get excited. And so I think there's a lot of people who are incredibly authentic who don't have a lot of over-the-top energy, hyperbole. Ryan Holiday, a good friend mm-hmm. of mine, right, writes about stoicism in a very calm, collected, classic way. Tim Ferriss, incredibly effective. I don't think he's hyperbole. Um, so I, I think that there's a ton of people who are successful. I think for everybody who's listening, and more and more people want to make content to the world, it's a game of feeling comfortable in your own skin. I... I have a lot of misconceptions and a lot of underestimation compared to my business success. You know, I've I've got multiple hundred million dollar exits. I've got a couple of billion dollar companies I'm running currently. But most people, when they think of me, think of me as a motivational speaker. Even my intro that you gave right now. There's a lot of people with the business accolades that I've accomplished in the last 25 years that would be disappointed as being talked about an internet personality. For me, it's really irrelevant. You know, it's all part of your journey and different aspects of your life. I think that there's a million ways to win as a human being out there. I think we think it takes a big personality, but when you look carefully, there are many people communicating, being successful, I think the common thread is they're all comfortable being their authentic self, whether that's introverted and quiet. There's plenty of authors who are incredibly successful who don't make any content. And so there's just a lot of ways to skin the cat. Maybe this is because a lot of your audience is getting that Gary V personality, but when you're Googled, one of the first questions that comes up is, is Gary V legit? <laughs> yes. How do you deal with yeah. perhaps the skepticism, the people for whom that big personality maybe isn't you know, something that they're drawn to? How do you deal with critics? Very easily. You know, um, when you're on the field no different than a proper football player or an Olympian right now and comfortable in my own skin because I am legitimate. I'm, again, aware that my hyper-communication style may create some curiosities, um, but it just doesn't bother me because I have a very strong understanding of whom I am. And um, again, I think that too many people sign up for being known and then are not capable of the attention that's thrown at them. I knew what I was signing up for. I'm comfortable with people being curious, being skeptical. The way you always address cynicism and skeptical uh, energy is by executing. You know, all the articles written about VaynerMedia when I started it was this internet wine kit is not going to be successful on Madison Avenue. VaynerMedia is the most successful agency that has been built in the last 40 years. That shuts up people real fast. Yeah. You're not wrong. You've talked about the fact that you are a hugely successful businessman. It's not just the motivational things that you're known for, Gary. With that in mind, I wonder, what are the kind of three most commonly asked questions of you? Not from us, the media, but from people looking for a bit of time from Gary V. The the biggest thing I get is definitely how you deal with judgment. It comes in a million different forms, mm. but everyone is looking for so much outside validation yeah. that they're incredibly vulnerable. Whether you're looking for outside validation on how you appear, looks, uh, 
how you succeed in school, how you succeed in how much money you make, how many followers you have, how many likes you have. People are incredibly stuck in high school their whole life. And it's really unfortunate. I got incredibly well-parented. And so for me, back to your question earlier, it's been very easy for me to be in my cocoon. I never looked for popularity. I never looked for outside validation. My validation came in my process. And then I would let the chips fall where they may. Whether I was successful or not, I've had many business ventures not work well, which is okay. Because they're my failures, not other people. But number one, no question is, how do I deal with judgment? I think number two, a lot of people are curious on how to find their passion or their happy place. I speak a lot about being content. I don't use that word, but it, I, I bounce around it. And I think a lot of people who especially consume my content over time realize, hmm, this guy is fairly, you know, for all the, you know, for all the high energy I have, the people that know me best know that I'm incredibly calm and it's all very easy for me. And I think that a lot of people are trying to find that, that sense of, I think the world is incredibly anxious. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, knock on wood, don't have a lot of anxiety considering how much I have being thrown at me. And I think a lot of it has to be be structured in the concept of gratitude. You know, I, I really want people to be grateful for what they have versus being envious for what they don't have. And mm. I think people struggle with that. And so I think a lot of people ask around passion and around like, how do I find that happy place? And then finally, almost the rest of what is asked of me is whatever I'm currently talking about. So two years ago, it's, Gary, how do I win on TikTok? You keep talking about TikTok. How do I win on TikTok? Today, it's all about NFTs. Gary, what's this NFT thing? How do I win on that? So uh, the first two are incredibly philosophical, very clouds. The last one is very practical execution. I want to talk a little bit about the finding your passion element of that, because you talk about being content, and I think that is a beautiful thing that a lot of us strive for. But how do you marry, how do you adjust the kind of the wanting to be content, being happy where you are with ambition, with, you know, you're always growing? It's funny, the book sitting next to you, and the, the last book I wrote, 12 and a Half, I talk about mixing ingredients. And the thing I actually am most excited about that I finally put out there, that I, it was in my subconscious, I couldn't get it out, it was on the tip of my tongue, is that I have a crazy, crazy um, balance between patience and ambition, between conviction and being content. It's very, I'm, 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 as you can see, I'm racking my brain. The concept of getting everybody who's listening right now to understand that you can pull from complete opposite directions of being incredibly hung. I mean, I am so competitive and hungry, it's probably inappropriate. <laughs> At the same token, I genuinely am content. How do you do that? Therapy, meditation, <laughs> journal. I mean it. Yeah. Therapy, meditation, journaling. Uh, I am incredibly motivated by doing interviews like this because maybe somebody driving right now has never heard of the concept that I can be, so I talk about patience at length, that I can be incredibly ambitious, but, but patient. I put out so much content about patience. I have so many kids and grown-ups who DM me and say things like, man, you seem like such a go-getter. Why are you telling me to be patient? And I reply sometimes and I say, because you're confusing the word patience with complacency. Yeah. You're confusing the word patience with non-action. You're confusing patience with lack of ambition. Patience is a different word. And so 
how do you do it? I think it, it requires first being aware that the conversation exists. That you, I'll give you an example. I believe most people in the world are unhappy or anxious or struggling or challenged because they're such in a hurry to show everybody they're successful. They're in a hurry. I'm 23, I'm gonna show my mom that I, that I made the right decision by not doing what she told me to. Or I'm gonna impress my older brother who's been more successful. Or I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna get rich so I get the girl. Like there's all these incredible things that people go through. Um, for me it comes very natural, but I'm incredibly aware that it's a challenge. And I think the only way humans evolve is by even acknowledging the concept of the existence of the issue. And so for me, the answer to your question is taking it from the subconscious or the unaware to the conscious and then deciding to put the mental work in to getting there. Mm Speaking as someone who has deliberately railed back from social media, Gary, um, we had an interesting guy on our show yesterday, a futurist, who said that AI would start to rule businesses in the future because it would be impossible not to indulge in and engage in AI. Otherwise, your business would fail. And I feel like that's a similar kind of metric that's going on right now in social media. There's There's an idea, there's a concept out there that it's impossible not to engage in social media and be successful at the same time. Is that, is that something you, you believe in? Or? No. I believe that social media is just empty pipes that have attention and that there is a missed opportunity if you decide to not put your business in a place where a lot of human beings pay attention. No different than the companies in the 60s and 70s that didn't run television commercials did not do as well as the ones that did. But I don't think it's a requirement. There is a ungodly amount, millions of businesses around the world that are incredibly successful that don't have a social media presence. Um, Same thing will happen with AI. You know, AI to me reminds me of what happened to farming years ago. Along came machines, and it was better to have machines than to have 13 children work the field. Technology made farming uh, more productive if you bought tractors instead of pumping out kids every nine months to work on your farm. That's what's going to happen with AI. AI will come in and make a lot of tasks that human beings now do mundane because it will automate it, but those human beings will go and do other things. And to that gentleman or woman's point, the futurist, yes, that will be a cost of entry. It's, it's very hard to run a business today without having email and a website. And I had many people tell me in 1995 that they wouldn't do that. So I don't think social media is a requirement the same way, let's say, an email or website is more of a requirement. But I think it's a potentially missed opportunity. And what about for young people? Um, I guess uh, the sense of competition would, would therefore breed a, a kind of sense of obligation to, to kind of engage. And, and some people don't maybe have the disposition to, to put themselves there or perhaps they don't react well to the kind of dopamine levels that get released when you, when you chase kind of attention, if you like, on, on social media. What, what do you say to people who are kind of struggling balancing that, the equilibrium of that? that long before social media came along, humans struggled with that balance. Dopamines have come in many forms, including interacting with other human beings. Mm. Uh, What I would tell the people who are listening is this narrative that is quite popular, which is blaming technology for your struggles, is a losing game. To To your point, and the way you started this convo, I think it's incredible for anybody who has the self-awareness to understand what balance they want between how much time they want to spend on social media 
if they even want to spend any time on social media. But I want to remind everybody who's listening that only 30 years ago, we would blame the television. We would blame magazines showing models at 90 pounds as a bad force. And all the things we today try to point fingers towards social media platforms, which I want to remind everybody are completely empty vessels that human beings fill information with, is something that has been historically true. There was a time and age that I could have sat in this exact studio in the 1960s, and you would ask me questions of, Gary, what do you say about the situation where we have the Beatles and Elvis disproportionately impacting children and believing in this rock and roll thing? This is human evolution. We continue to be incredibly infatuated with finding ways to point fingers towards the current without pointing thumbs to ourselves and leaning into accountability and self-awareness of how to deal with the macro. When I hear your set of questions, it excites me because I'm glad we're in a point now where people are consciously talking about these things. And I champion and cheer for people that decide to not spend time on social media. I have zero emotion towards social media as a concept. You know, when I first started talking about it, I saw it as a clear indication that communication would go to these platforms. When communication evolves into new places, good and bad comes with it. Everybody can talk about the mainstream media, social media. It's all one in the same game. This is about self-accountability. Alcohol was banned in America. Alcohol is banned in many places in the world. It's a moderation game. Everything's a moderation game. And I think um, I'm very empathetic to people's concerns about the amount of time that children and other humans spend on this platform. I want to remind people that there is incredible good from those things. There are people who spend time FaceTiming their elders in different countries because of technology and social media. So I think we're in the current state where we're looking for the shortcomings of the platform, which of course there are, because human beings have shortcomings. With that in mind then, Gary, how does that platform or platforms, how do they involve, how do you see the future when it pertains to social media? We've often had this conversation on the show that will there come a time where a new thing, a new shiny toy comes along and people rail against it? Of course, it's called VR. Social media is going to be as mundane as a beeper in 30 years. (laughs) We've just seen the first wedding in the metaverse. (laughs) My friend, it's it's incredibly obvious, right? I think, you know... (laughs) I remember when I was in high school, people were demonizing the beeper. Anybody who had a beeper in my high school was a drug dealer, right? Everybody always demonizes the current. People are going to be wishing for the simplicity of cell phones having social media on it when in 30 years everyone's putting on VR equipment and never leaving their home ever. And so, of course, there's going to be another shiny thing. And you know how I know that? Because there's always a new shiny thing. Go read the articles about how the radio... The radio is ruining children because they are now standing inside listening to baseball games on the radio in the 1920s instead of going outside like the 1880s and playing baseball. This is history repeating itself cycle after cycle after cycle and human beings underestimating the human spirit to evolve with technology. And you talk about technology being the vessel. It's all about how we decide to fill that space. And 
I think the difference perhaps between radio and where we are now when we talk about the metaverse, when we talk about virtual reality, about existing within that space more and more, is it's just a bit more involved. So as we move forward into that, how can we find a healthier way to engage? Because when I think of the metaverse, when I um, read stories about it, I find it both exciting, but also I get that image of WALL-E. I don't know if you know the movie. Of of everybody (laughs) just sitting around in their headsets, drinking their sodas and completely escaping from society using that as a crutch. So how do we balance that? Because the reality of who we are as people in society is a certain thing. We have certain tendencies. We have certain fallibilities. The answer to your question is good parenting. You know, I really don't, you know, again, I think the theme of this interview for everybody's listening is I think it's time we get accountable. You can prepare your children and yourself to anything if you have proper and thoughtful conversations. I believe when we throw our hands up and say the algorithm is screwing us, then it's over. Once you start doing that, it's actually over. So the answer to your question is solid parenting. Final one from me, Gary. I know you're a busy boy, so I want to get to the book because you are here, of course, in Dubai for the Emirates Lit Fest. The book is in front of us now. Give us a little kind of flavour of it for anyone listening to this now. Why should we be picking up that book? And what, I guess more than that, what will we glean from it? You know, much to the theme that of this conversation, which I've really enjoyed, thank you, I wish I could hang all day. Um, I wanted to write a book about something that I've observed for the last 25 years, which is the concept of business is misunderstood in society. I believe that most people within it or watch it from a side or even people that demonize capitalism believe that business requires sharp elbows, that you can't be kind or you'll get walked all over, that all these things we've always heard, that it's competitive dog-eat-dog world, and I think that it's very clear to me, as clear as day, that kindness and empathy and compassion are the actual hard skills of business. That these emotional intelligent EQ things that we start hearing about are often looked as nice to have or that's sweet or like a side dish to you better be (laughs) hardcore. And for me, all of my business success and much of, and I think a focus group of one is very dangerous. What I've observed for 25 years is that there's a lot of businesses out there that are successful long term because they have very good culture around kindness and, and, and other attributes. So I wanted to write the book from the perspective that these wonderful skills that your grandma will tell you are actually now the alpha skills to build an empire. This is not like, Uh, a conversation of like, oh, this is sweet and you can have a nice little side business. No, no. I believe that people who are listening who have big aspirations and big goals and huge financial success can build billion-dollar empires on the foundation of kind skills, and I wanted to put that on paper. Could you give us an example of how in your own life this is applied? Because I've heard you talk about the importance of kindness in business, but perhaps is there an, an instance in your life about when being kind, you actually saw a positive outcome of course. from that. I'll give you the best one because it's happened 700 trillion times. Human beings remember real truth. What I mean by that is when you are faced with someone's negative interaction and you are capable of being the bigger woman or bigger man in that situation and deploying kindness, The amount of times in my career where three years later I get a huge business deal because somebody says, Ricky said you're a good guy, and my interaction with Ricky was incredibly unkind from Ricky, but I was able to be the bigger person. 
Your reputation precedes you. This is mm. this book is predicated on the truth of business, which is what people say behind your back who actually know you is the most important thing when it comes to business. Not the comments you get on social media from somebody who's never met you, not other things. People that have actually interacted with you and done business, what are they saying when you're not in the room? When you are able to deploy kindness and good traits, even people that came to you with negativity will be unbelievably affected by your humanity and they will communicate that to others. I have been able to, I've got a real one. I was able to invest in a company, Tumblr, after the round was closed because three people who I was kind to fought for me to reopen it, when Yahoo bought Tumblr for a billion dollars, I made millions of dollars single-handedly because I was a gracious and kind person to three people who behind the scenes reopened a closed funding round, which is unheard of, to get me in. With all that in mind, to all of our listeners, you are all beautiful. We love each and every one of you. Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm conscious of time because you've got to go. You've got interviews left, right and center. To echo your point, we could sit here all day and talk to you, and I genuinely mean that. Thank you so much for spending 25 minutes to enlighten us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, team. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 